Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. My friend, you got to help me through this show as we sit here at the nine foot homemade oak bar in my basement um, because uh, I had to record a, a brewery segment today for one of the other podcasts on the network. And I, I'm kind of going already. You're kind of going, you're like going, 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 gone, oh, or going or like, you know, oh, no, I'm going. I had a, the guy made two milkshake IPAs for the summer. Those are thick and they're high in alcohol. And then he unveiled a bourbon barrel aged stout that was in one barrel i want to say woodford reserve for three years and then put in some sort of maple bourbon barrel for a fourth it was aged for four years in bourbon barrels like i feel like i'm gonna fall off the stool right now like i did midday drinking i figured i was going i was gonna try one thing right they like they were celebrating like national brewers week on the show and i was gonna do one one drink and instead he brings out three full 16 ounce drinks in front of me for the show and sits there and does the interview as we're pounding them <laughs> on the YouTube. I mean, video. you can't turn those down. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't, you know? No, no, you can't. I mean, that's the problem. Like, I mean, like, like I have, there's so many shows on the broadcast basement on demand radio network and they span across the country and we're lucky to be able to do what we do. And I'm lucky that I can sit in my basement and do this, but like, it's the middle of the week and I'm just kind of trying to hide from the family. The dad's already snackered. <laughs> and I, <laughs> Like he's already, he's just trying to get through the day. The good news is that the Pirates, even for the fact they're two out of their last 10 that they've won, which is not a good thing, are still a winning record, still have a lot of positive thoughts. I think that Pirates fans that are upset about the fact that they're not like just going to go wire to wire this year, kind of lost perspective. This is a positive start to your season. And the only thing I'm really concerned about is, will you be able to handle adversity and bounce back have a positive season and end up, if they end up 500 or a game over or better, it is a great 2023 because you are just coming out of your rebuild and your window hasn't opened yet. That's all you can hope for, right? Well, well for, for some Pirates fans, I mean, they're hoping that we could take advantage of a weak division and, and actually take it, which I'm not saying that you know winning the division is a bad thing. That's where I'll come off. I mean, people will probably be like, oh, no, you want to win. You want to win. I don't care about draft selection anymore. I don't care about that. I don't care. If you can win, you can win. If you have a puncher's chance, go. But you know what? You don't make trades at the trade deadline that hurt your team. You don't give away anything right now. You know, I mean, like, you could give away Rich Hill. 
you could sit there and say, like, we're going to sell Rich Hill, but we're going to be buyers in another thing. And you could pick up a player that maybe is at the end of a contract that you think you can sign to an extension or maybe has like the end of this year and one more year. And you're like, if we can get him into the organization and start winning, maybe we can sign him because they've got they should have plenty of capital. I know Bob Nutting's cheap, but if he looks at Ben Charrington and says, this is how much you can expand the payroll, you can be a buyer and a seller and still be going out and trying to win more games than you lose. That's the fascinating thing of coming out of a couple of years of a rebuild. You can do a bunch of things. But the one thing you don't want to do is give away prospects and throw anything away to try to win a World Series this year because I don't think that that's realistic, okay? What you you have to do is make smart moves that continue to build your team. You don't need to sacrifice, though, anymore. You're not trying to lose 100 games and have a high draft pick. That's over. Yeah, and you look at a team like that we just played in the Baltimore Orioles where, you know, last year, you know, they sold off, and I think we had Rob Beertemple on to talk about this. They sold off uh, Trey Mancini. They sold off their, you know, closer. And basically their owner had to go. I think it was their GM had to go and just basically say, hey, guys, and sell them on the idea that, you know what, you're having a great season, we're still continuing to push forward, you know, but maybe we're just not there yet, because there is a big difference between winning a weak division, which, I mean, they didn't have a weak division, but the Pirates do, and actually being a team that is competitive enough to win a World Series, because that's the ultimate goal. I, I feel like as Pirates fans, we, we kind of lose track of that sometimes, just because even in those three years when we were good, there was always a team, and it was usually the St. Louis Cardinals, who were better than us. So our thing was, you know, we need to win a division so we don't have to go into that wild card game. Well, that wild card game doesn't exist anymore. It's a three-game series at this point in time. So I think that it's just like, okay, if we can just win the division, then 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 we've maybe like kind of like beat away some demons from the past that it's just going to all of a sudden, you know, turn around and be great. Yes. You want to win, but you also have to realize, you know, where you're at in this rebuild. You are a hundred loss team, two years running three years. If it wasn't for the pandemic to think that, you know, you're going to turn around and, and win the world series. I mean, this isn't, uh, I don't know, rookie of the year. This isn't (laughs) angels in the outfield. Like you're still going to have your bumps along the way. Hopefully it can turn around a little bit where we're actually scoring more runs and not going on streaks that we're going, you know, on right now. I mean, we did lose two or three to the Rockies. That was fairly disappointing. Uh, Like we talked about last week, you know, getting swept by, the Rays and the Jays was, was disappointing, but it was almost like that we expected kind of to lose those series going into it. Not that you wanted to lose them now, like this is where you like, you get Detroit and, and you need to go in there for two games and just kind of say, you got to beat, them, gotta up. beat them up. You got to beat though them Detroit's up. been playing yeah. fairly well. I think they kind of been playing over their skis, kind of like the pirates were during April. Yeah. But I think the pirates are a better team. Who was it? Was it Eckersley? Was that the one that sat there and said there's no Major League Baseball players Yeah, the hodgepodge game? of nothingness, Ooh, yeah. Right, a hodgepodge of nothingness. All right, well, let, let me tell you this. You got Rodolfo Castro, of all people, who's got a 113 OPS plus, so he's well above average because that's 100. He's a Major League Baseball player. Brian Reynolds is a Major League Baseball player, signed and locked up at a 127 OPS plus, an 835 OPS. He's hitting 293 with 500 slugging. You got Jack Sawinski, who, even though he's hitting 235 with the 855 OPS and the 365 on base percentage, 
an OPS plus of 134. Connor Joe, who you acquired, because you identified talent, and I know he's 30 years old, 261 with an 890, no, 886 OPS, with a 141 OPS plus. Andrew McCutcheon, I don't know how long he lasts on his team. He's 35. He's like the light bulb that's just getting bright at the end, but it's a nice little addition. And you, you've got O'Neill Cruz when he gets healthy next year. And you've got Jason DeLay, who's going to be a good backup catcher. I think that's what he's showing you. You need two. Every team needs two. I think you should be getting more at-bats than hedges. But you know what? No matter what, whoever comes up, if it's Endy coming up here, at some point I think DeLay's the backup. That's what it should be. And even Marcano, he's got a 107 OPS plus. You've got plenty of major leaguers on this team. This, was, this is what you were waiting for. This is why you suffered for the last couple of months. The, the biggest problem that you have is you got to find pitching. That, that, that's the biggest issue. You look at this rotation, you look at it for the future, you're going to have to spend money to put a rotation together and hope that some of these guys who are still sitting down in the minors are ready next year. And, and that's what the whole season's about at this point. I'm curious who's coming up. I'm curious who performs down in the minor leagues that we can sit there and pencil in to one of the rotation spots next year. You can go out and try to win as many games as you want to this year and go for it. Have fun at the ballpark this summer. And if they make it to the postseason, get delirious. You never pass up an opportunity when you get out hot because there are teams that expected to be postseason teams right now that have under 500 records that are 10 games out of first place or eight games out of first place and are miserable right now. And they did everything they thought right in the offseason and they they didn't do it. So enjoy it. Go for it. I'm just saying don't screw up the long-term window you should have for this team because you're trying to win it all in a year that's kind of a surprise. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good thing to have. And you, like you said, you don't want to waste it. I think the biggest thing is, is that people are just like trying to inject stuff from the minor leagues uh, to catch that like almost like lightning in a bottle in like you said like a, like a Henry Davis. Henry Davis has uh like a 1100 OP, OPS. Like he's he's like hitting the crap out of the ball down in in double A. They've started to play him some in right field and I honestly think and I think I read something in the Athletic today uh, and it wasn't from Rob Beer Temple, but he shared it where it's just like, well, he's getting some looks in right field because they're realizing if he comes up, like there's not going to be enough space for him to catch DH and get enough at bats. So to get him some more, you know, looks in in the field, because I believe he only has like a couple starts last year and only like, I think, three starts this year in right field. We don't want to see it. Is he a bad catcher? Is he a bad catcher? I mean, I hate to cut you off, but I'm just curious. I mean, you follow the minor leagues. Is he a bad catcher? Is that what the problem is? He's bad defensively? He can't call Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what they've been saying, and a lot of scouts have been saying as well, is that, you know, his his framing isn't great, his blocking isn't great, the calling of the game is a little bit behind. They're saying that if, if you're waiting for the catching to come around, it's probably going to be about another year before he comes up. So instead of, you know, June or July of this year, it would be June or July of next year. But the bat is, is about as legitimate and about as ready as it's going to get. Can I give you a couple of catchers that were drafted as high end catchers that ended up not playing catcher? Cause I know pirates fans are worried about this. Yeah. it's. I mean, this is like a thing right? that's on there. I mean, they're very upset about it. They're very upset about this. Like, oh my goodness, we drafted his catcher. We drafted him so high. And now we're a failure because he can't, he's not going to be the catcher. Don't worry about it. Andy Rodriguez is going to be a catcher. 
He'll he'll be one of your catchers. I believe that. But if he turns into Dale Murphy, remember Dale I Murphy? I remember Dale Murphy. For the yeah. Braves? 1,800 career major league games as an outfielder. He was drafted as a high-end catcher. Joey Votto was a catcher. He was a high-end catcher prospect who's won an MVP, never playing catcher. Raul Abanez. Craig Biggio was a catcher, Craig. He was drafted as a catcher. But if you can find Craig Biggio, does it matter where you put him? Carlos Delgado was a catcher. (laughs) Carlos Delgado was a catcher. You want me to go way back? We'll go with the Philadelphia Athletics. Jimmy Fox was a catcher. And here's the name I want you to remember. Okay, because if Henry Davis turns in anything like this guy, are you really going to be concerned as to whether or not he's getting those hits in the outfield instead of behind the plate? Bryce Harper was a catcher. Remember that? I think a lot of people forget Bryce that. Harper, high, high. I mean, he was right up at the top of the draft. I can't remember exactly his spot. He, okay, this guy was picked by the Washington Nationals as a catcher. And he goes out and becomes a right fielder. And he signed for a ridiculous amount of money when he went in the free agency. If you get Bryce Harper, do you care if he's behind the plate? You draft, like, here's the thing. I always try to tell people this. You try to draft as many shortstops, catchers, and center fielders as you can because they can always be converted to another position. Center fielders can go into the corner. Shortstops can pretty much play any position except for catcher. And catchers can move out into the outfield or first base. I don't understand why anybody drafts a second baseman. I've never gotten that. Maybe a third baseman, okay, fine. Some guys need to have a gun over a third. But why would you ever draft a first baseman? Why would you ever draft a second baseman? Why would you ever draft a, 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 a corner outfielder? Because if you can line them up next to a guy who's an athlete who's a shortstop or has the ability to catch him, maybe he works out, or who's a center fielder, you would go with that guy. So that's what you do. You try to pick as many middle infield, and not, when I say middle infield, really shortstops, as many catchers, and as many athletic center fielders as you can, and then you hope they pan out, and if they stay in that position, great. And if they don't, you have another position. And I think people get locked into what the guy was drafted as, and that doesn't matter. Well, I think with Henry Davis, I mean, he's kind of like even come out and said, I think it was like last year during the Arizona Fall League, when they asked him about being like a right fielder, he kind of like cringed. And it's it's he has that mentality where he kind of wants to prove that he can be a catcher, but maybe if they're talking to him and saying like, if you want to get to the major leagues as quickly as possible, you may have to be, have that position, you know, flexibility. And that's something that Ben Charrington has preached and, and talked about ever since he's been here. And I mean, at times it's kind of been, you know, I would say people get kind of annoyed by it, but it's just like, okay, this guy can play infield and he can play outfield and he can play this and he can play that. Like, why don't we pick positions? Well, then it gives you flexibility within your lineup to put the best players on the field, depending on, you know, what the situation is. And if Henry Davis moves to right field, even for a little bit, it doesn't mean that him being a catcher at different points in time is completely out of the realm of possibility. I mean, you could even look at like a a Dalton Varsho who, you know, he played some outfield in college, played some outfield in the minors, and he plays a little bit of outfield, a little bit of catcher, a little bit of DH. I mean, Andy, they've been experimenting with him even over the past couple years at second base, first base, outfield, because he's so athletic. I mean, it would be kind of nice that 
if you can get the best bats into the lineup on a day-to-day basis and then maybe just have, you know, Jason DeLay sitting back there for <laughs> to catch a couple games and to pinch hit and do whatever, I still wouldn't see that as a bad thing. Listen, there are other teams that do this. I think that sometimes you get tunnel vision on your own team and you don't see that this is almost the norm. The Kansas City Royals have a guy by the name of MJ Melendez. And I'm sorry I said it that way. I'm just trying to get the words out because I drank way too many beers <laughs> today. But but, but I, what I'm going to say here makes perfect sense. MJ Melendez like led, I want to say, AAA two years ago with home runs. He went nuts. He just was just burying them in 2021. So the Royals bring him up in 2022 when he continues to hit a ton of home runs. He's killing it at the plate. But he's not the greatest catcher, and they have Sal Perez sitting there. So MJ Melendez plays a little bit of outfield, plays a little bit of backup catcher. This year, the idea was to get him behind the plate more. Sal Perez can be moved into the DH spot. He's getting older. I mean, he's a superstar catcher at the end of his career. And this guy is the future. And you know what they found? His career, his stats to this point, and this is up to this point, 221, 302 for his OPS, and 379 for his slugging. That's terrible for a guy that you're expecting to be a mainstay in your lineup. That includes, though, his last 14 days, Craig, where the where the Royals decided he was done catching for the year. They decided that the preparation to catch and the, the stuff he has to do as a young rookie to figure out how to frame, how to deal with each individual pitcher, and how to get himself ready for a Major League Baseball game as a catcher was too much for him when he's still trying to figure out how to hit. So what they said was, for the rest of the year, the Royals declared us for the rest of the year, MJ Melendez, who's still on their list to be a catcher of the future, he was not going to catch the rest of the year. They declared it to the press. They said, you know what? We've told MJ, you're done for the year. We just want you to get ready and get and get used to major league pitching. So MJ Melendez, about two weeks ago, was told, you're just going to go out and play the outfield in DH and work on hitting. You know what he's done since then? Over 48 at-bats in nine games, he's hitting 312 with a 370 OBP and a 500 slugging percentage. Because... It's a difficult thing to be a young catcher and come into the majors. The Pirates aren't doing anything wrong by saying, we want his bat, we want him to get used to major league, you know, hitting, and then at some point, we can still move him back to catcher if we need to. It's not like he forgets how to do it. So, you know, I'm just giving you an example of another player that doesn't even have the pedigree of Henry Davis. And just explaining, this is how other franchises do it too. So don't panic over the idea that he might be an outfielder for a while. Yeah, and I think that people kind of want, and I think I fall into that category at times too, is just you want to solve the the problems and you want to say, okay, this guy's going to be in this position for however many years. This guy's going to be in this position for how many years. So you're not trying to, you know, fill different holes at at different times. And... in the end, I, I feel like that it'll kind of work itself out. Um, I just don't know if <laughs> if they're going to actually do this sooner rather than later to try to get the team back on track. And I don't even know if one bat will, will get the team back on track. I mean, they were just kind of hitting 
unbelievably, and they got everybody hot at the beginning of the season. Brian Reynolds, Carlos Santana, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, and everybody's kind of going back to what their mean would be. I mean, it's not like Carlos Santana was a even like a 250 hitter for all of last year. I mean, Andrew McCutcheon did hit for some power, but was more below, you know, in that 250, 225 range. So, I mean, yeah, it was nice to get off that hot start, and you want to see it continue. But once again, I'm kind of just like trying to think back to what the goal is. I mean, the goal is to be competitive, to learn how to win, to not lose 100 games, and to build your team for the future without sacrificing the future. That's the key right there, what you're saying, build your team. The one thing you cannot do at this point is say, I already know who my, let's just fill in a position, like I know who my third baseman is, so we don't need any more third baseman. I know who my center fielder is, so we don't need any more center fielders. I know who my catcher is, so we don't need any more catchers. If you look at the Tampa Bay Rays right now, they have seven pitchers, four of their starting rotation on opening day on the injured list. If you look at the Texas Rangers, another first place team at this point, they've got something like 10 guys on the IL, including Corey Seager and a couple other big names, Jacob DeGrom's on there. You have to also build depth. You have to have players that can step in during a season because if you suffer a couple of injuries, you don't want to go on a streak where you go two for 18 and your season's over. And that's the, that's why a 162-game season is so hard on a team. That's why it's so difficult to get to the end and make it into the postseason. What the Pirates have right now is talent for the first time in a long time. The Pirates have a puncher's chance. And yes, they could catch lightning in a bottle and make it to the postseason. And you know what? Root for it. Root for it all year long. It's fun to watch right now. But don't let it crush you. And don't let it be something where you get yourself so wrapped up that you're willing to give away the future. Because you have a lot more to do if you want to be a serious contender for an NL pennant or to win a World Series. And that is the ultimate goal. That's what you want to do. So there's still more building to be done. I'm going to tell you something right now. At the trade deadline, it'll be interesting to see what Ben Charrington does. He's going to have players like Rich Hill that are at the end of their career. Or a Carlos Santana if he's doing enough. But, I mean, are you really going to be upset if a guy with a 689 OPS at first base, something you can go pick up anywhere? There's going to be six guys that can do that in the offseason. Are you going to be upset if somebody says, we want Carlos Santana for the last two months? No. Grab what you can. So you might sell in certain instances. On the other hand, it wouldn't be wrong to go out and grab somebody. Really good franchises sit there and say it's harder to go out in a free agency when everybody has a chance at that pitcher. We should get that guy into our organization, get to know him, and see if we can get him signed. Somebody who's got a year left or only a couple of months left that we're like, if we can get him in, maybe we can find an inside track to keep him. And worst case, he's here for a couple of months. That, that's how you build now. That's the next stage. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for trying to win. I'm looking for getting over adversity. I'm looking for, for guys that are developing. And I'm also looking for how are you building? Because there's still a couple more steps. You're not done yet. This is the beginning, not the end.
you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the Y that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at www.shopyins, the emphasis on the two Zs, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. Well, my thing, Chris, is that I kind of think back to, I mean, we talk about fantasy baseball constantly. Your team's good, my team's bad. Your team's terrible. Yeah, my team is terrible. So I, you're so bad. I would, I would almost ask you. Like I've been thinking about this all day, and I don't know why. Because I mean, you add pirates at different times. You were talking about how we should add. I should add a Jack Swinski. You added Johan Oviedo. I mean, there's other players. I got rid of him though. I got rid of him though this week. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pirates fans. Too many losses. I mean, he still is a guy that almost didn't even make the rotation. Like he wouldn't have done it without an injury. He was off hot. But now he's got to prove something to me. So I, I kind of gave up on him. Zawinski, though, I mean, look at his age. I mean, he should at least be in your minor leagues in your fantasy team. So I would think, Chris, I've been thinking about this, is, is what players from the Pirates, and I know Brian Reynolds is an easy answer, or somebody like that, but if you were looking across like the Pirates, who is somebody that you would add to, you know, complete your dynasty? Because, I mean, you, you basically, you're like the New England Patriots or the New York Yankees or the, you know, whoever it would be of our, you know, our fantasy baseball organization. <laughs> I've won four out of the last six yeah. seasons. That's just so, so who, who, yeah. who are you looking at? The, I mean, you name all these names at the beginning of the show, but I would think, you know, I might be taking some notes here. It might be, this may be for my own personal gain, but I'm just trying to think of like, you know, you say you have these pieces, like, you know, if you had to choose between like a Rodolfo Castro or a Tucapito Marcano, who are you leaning towards? Marcano. I don't even have to think about it. Like I, I look at Marcano and I sit there and say, okay, fine. He, he's only got 64 plate appearances and 54 at bats. But I look at a guy who's got a 752 OPS, who's been trending upward, who in the last seven days, his, his he's only, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't had a ton of at bats in four games. Always hitting 429, you know, with a 1429 OPS. There's something there. I, I just think that that's a guy who's going to develop into an everyday starter for you. Now, I, I, might, I might be nuts. Honest to goodness, I might be absolutely insane. I just think there's a reason why Ben Charrington liked him. It, wasn't he in love with him yeah, for he a tried, while? He tried to but get him twice. That, and here's the thing. is, And the Padres, right. who are a good organization, they you know, and people see them as a good organization, I should say, you know, had him on the opening day roster a couple years ago and, and basically fast-tracked him. And he maybe just needed a you know, a couple years to cook to get to where his potential lied. Here's the thing. Development isn't linear and he's only 23. You know, that's the thing. When guys, when guys get an opportunity really early and they don't do well, we forget that they could be in college right now. Like I got out of college at 22. (laughs) Like, Think about that. I mean, like I, I, I turned 18 in May of my senior year, two weeks before I graduated high school, went to the prom as an 18 year old. And then went off to college for four years, actually four and a half. I needed an extra, I needed an extra six months because I was in the middle of doing radio and wasn't going to class and did a lot of drinking. And like, I'm going to need another six months to finish this off. So four and a half years, 
And I, I walked out the door just a little bit younger than, than Marcano. And, and so I think we forget that sometimes. If he's 27, fine, you wrote the book on him. At, at 23 years old, you didn't write any book on him. About to turn 24 here in a couple of months. You have a, you, There's no book written on him. You know, that's the thing. Like, you talk about guys that develop late. Like, oh, look at this guy. He's 27. Th- there are two development arcs in baseball. And if you do any reading on it, 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 it's it's kind of amazing. Some guys, they develop very quickly, and they have their big bump when they're 22, 23, 24. But the majority of baseball players, 27 to 28 is their peak. And it, it's hard on organizations because if you've had a guy in there for a couple of years, you're like, well, maybe this is all he is. But some guys don't figure it out. Some guys just have to get to a maturity level. Some guys... You know, it's a mental game. It, it, it's not it's not the same as line up. There's 11 guys on each side, and your assignment is to go run out 10 yards and button hook. It's not the same thing. You're up there playing chess every pitch. You, If you're having a bad week, nobody comes and tells you anything except for, you know what you got to do is you got you to gotta get your head down. You got to get your elbow up, and you got you to gotta watch that hitch in your swing. And maybe stick your butt out a little bit. None of that helps you. It's it's a mental chess game at the plate, and and if you're if you get in your head with a bunch of people standing around you, you get in the yips, and all of a sudden you're you're not making throws the way you used to. It's a very mental game, and and I know that I was a different person at 26 than I was at 23. I definitely was a different person at 27. I was having my first kid, and and there's some people that wait till they're 30 till they're mature enough to do that. So. So here's the thing. Don't give up on a guy who's 23, who your GM, who's been very good. I mean, I hate doing this because generally I have a distrust of front offices and I don't believe owners. And I, I'm basically like, all oh, these people don't know what they're doing and I would be a better GM. Trust me, I, I, I have the same reaction that most of you do. But there's been some really good scouting on this team. You can see it in the players they identified in the offseason and that they brought in to get off to that, heart, that hot start. They knew what they were doing. I have a belief in this kid. I think Marcano could be something. Yeah, and I, I just look at the ages of, like, the players. Like, I know that when people are looking for, you know, and they're looking at ages of players, they always throw out, like, you know, like a Juan Soto. You talk about, like, not like, maybe, like, generational talents or at least within that, you know, class or whatever it would be. You, you could throw out just a few names of these guys that start hitting at extremely young ages. And, and that's why, like, they're just like, well... You know, Jack Sawinski and Rodolfo Castro are 24 years old. Like, why haven't they peaked like these types of guys? Well, not every player is that type of player. I mean, I looked at Rowanzi Contreras, 23. Tucapito Marcano, 23. G1 Bay, 23. Luis Ortiz, 24. Jack Sawinski, 24. Rodolfo Castro, 24. I mean, you have okay, Brian Hayes, 26 years old. Like Right. And you know what? Here's the thing. He's not hitting really well right now, but he's still... He's still above replacement level because of the defense. And that's that's what growing pains are. And, th- and that goes back to something I said a few minutes ago. You're not done building yet. If this team never goes out and finds a star to put in the middle of their lineup, right? They're going to have to go out and pay somebody that comes in that's an all-star. That's a Hall of Fame type caliber player and likely a pitcher as well. They're going to have to spend money at some point. I believe like I know that the the blueprint is to be like the Rays, but if you really want to be serious about this, you got to bring a guy in because you can go out and get as much talent as you want. 
and you can hope they all develop, right? But but you, you need to have a couple of things that fill in the blanks because you could develop the next Mike Trout, but if it's just Mike Trout, then you're you're never going to make the playoffs. Like the <laughs> and then you're the Los Angeles Angels. Right. You can go run out and you can get Tim Anderson, who was like the stud of baseball a couple of years ago, and, and get Luis Robert in the bidding war coming out of Cuba. But look at the White Sox right now. They're 14 and 28 because they never filled in with like real serious talent. So they're just like the Angels. They're unfinished cakes, basically. The Angels, the White Sox, and plenty of other teams. They're teams that built, found stars in the draft or the international draft. Or, you know, like the, the, the Angels grabbing Otani, but there's not enough around them. And you, so you can't go halfway. So th- that's the thing. There's another stage to this entire thing. And, and you know, so, so wait for your guys to develop, but hopefully at some point, the guy up there with the, the short packets pulls out a little bit of money and tells Ben Charrington, you can go get this guy because you're going to need it in that rotation right now. That rotation is so unfinished. I, I'm more, I am more into the nine guys that are on the, the, the eight guys on the field and the ninth guy that's in the DH spot. Than the, than the pitching rotation besides Mitch Keller right now. It's Mitch Keller, David Bednar at the end, and a bunch of players that are coming along. There's more to do. There's a lot more to do, Chris, and hopefully, you know, like you said, I think everybody's waiting for that Andrew McCutcheon, that MVP-level player to be developed within the system, but if he doesn't come to finish it off, you, you got to go get it. else. You got to go get it, and I don't think it comes. That's the thing. You got to assume it's not coming, Craig. Would you rather just have Andrew McCutcheon? and make it into the playoffs? Or would you like to have Andrew McCutcheon developed within your system and then go out and get Bryce Harper? You know, would you like to go out and get another guy that's sitting out there that you add on to your team? And that's the difference between winning a division when you're at your peak in a couple of years and winning the World Series. And that that really is the end part that we don't know the end of the story yet. The only good news is the first couple of chapters have been pretty good this year. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully a bounce back in Detroit. All right. I got wordy today because I was drinking no, too you're much. you're good.